Busy Birds. Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Ganal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Our guest today is a professional surfer and the founder of the Sentinel Ocean Alliance. And he has also created a short film titled The Street Surfers. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Frank Solomon. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. You're most welcome. So, Frank, how did your sustainable journey actually start? I think just being a surfer and always being kind of close to nature because, yeah, you're always in the water and in the ocean. Just kind of a natural progression and something that you see, you know, there's the plastic and the, the, the rubbish just in the short time that I've been on this planet. Like when I started, it was clean and now it's not clean. You know what I mean? So wow. it's, it's hard to ignore it's hard to ignore the fact when you're always in nature. I think if you live in a big city and stuff, it's it's easy to maybe not have such a close connection with nature. Exactly. And I mean, like nowadays, when you go into the beach, there's always, like if you're in the ocean, there's always plastic bags drifting. What are some of the stuff that you have seen? The biggest thing that you find is uh, plastic bottles or water bottles, Coke bottles, all those kind of drinking bottles. Because, I mean, 10 years ago, there was no such thing as plastic water bottles. You got water out the tap. Exactly. You didn't go to the store to buy water. Like, that's a relatively new concept. So you see a lot of those, a lot of polystyrene, you know, like plastic forks and knives. Those are the kind of things that float really well and tend to wash up on our beaches. So you've said, like, it's kind of in the last 10 years that you have noticed a dramatic change over the period of time. What is this causing to the marine life as well? Do you see stuff like that when you're out and you're surfing? Yeah, I mean, you, I see, you see seals and stuff where I live that have ropes and stuff around them. But I think wow. the main thing is that there is so much of this plastic going to the ocean, like thousands and thousands of tons. Then it gets broken up little bits and then fish mistake it for food and they eat it. And then we eat the fish. So, you know, we, in a way, eating our own rubbish in a way. You know what I mean? It's affecting not just the big mammals, but all the fish and, and the quality of the water. And uh, that has a huge impact on the ocean. Exactly. And like you've mentioned, you are a surfer. For those of our crazy birds that do not know that, you are actually a professional big wave surfer from South Africa, which is actually my home country as well. And in the last few months, you've released a video of a different type of surfing, and that was the street surfers. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? What inspired it and what exactly is the street surfers? Yeah, I mean, well, I work with Corona and Parley and they, you know, we try to figure out how we could link people that live in a big city like Johannesburg, which is like 800 to 1,000 kilometers away from the ocean. And most of the people there don't really have a connection to the ocean and connect them with, you know, the clean beaches and, and things that we have in Cape Town. And uh, in Johannesburg, there's hundreds of thousands of people. I don't know the exact number because a lot of them, it's kind of like informal work. So there's not a solid number on how many guys are doing it, but there's 
at least like 100,000 and they're just trying to make a living. So what they do is they have this kind of skateboard type board with four wheels on like an old shopping trolley cart that they've uh, made themselves. And they, they wake up at like three or four in the morning and they go through everyone's garbage at home, sort the recycling. So they'll separate plastic and cans and paper and then they bring it back to where they live in this huge area. Well, not like a huge area, but like an area where all of those people live together and they they combine everything that they get. So when I arrived, it was pretty mind-blowing. There's just thousands and thousands of tons and piles of plastic. It was pretty much, yeah, I didn't even know there were places like that. Definitely going to link this video up as well. So guys, in the show notes, you're going to have the link to this video definitely go and check it out. For me, it was really emotional because I grew up just outside of Johannesburg. And like what you said, there's a lot of people that has never even been to the ocean. And when you took these guys to the ocean and they first have this real connection with the ocean and kind of understood the entire cycle of this waste, for me, that was so emotional. And I definitely recommend everyone just going and seeing that. But how was that for you to really see this? I mean, the ocean's in your backyard. You pretty much grew up inside the ocean. How did that make you feel to see these guys for the first time, not surfing on the street surfboards, but actually on a real surfboard? What, what emotions went through you? I definitely had a lump in my throat. I mean, I said in the in, in the film, when I saw them see the ocean for the first time, you know, something that, that I take and a lot of people take for granted, something that you see all the time, you get used to seeing, and then to see it through someone's eyes who's never seen it before, you know, it makes you really appreciate it a lot more. But the biggest takeaway for me on the whole project was just the, like, absolute abject poverty that these guys live in. They had no running water, no electricity, they slept on the ground in these little shacks on like on a dirt floor. You know, just had like the dirtiest clothes you've ever seen. And when we when we brought them to Cape Town, they had never had a shower before. So I had to show them how the, the shower worked. And I mean, for most people listening to this on their cell phone or computer, like that's, and yeah, it's not even something that we've ever thought about, you know, but that people that are doing something so good for the environment are living like that. It's just, yeah, it's just, that was the most humbling thing to me. I can imagine. And, you know, just to, to think about it. So there's like literally thousands and thousands of these people in South Africa. And if it was not for them, if, you know, they didn't do what they did and actually sell these waste items that we see as waste or as trash, you know, they actually see that this is a resource. And that is what we need to see waste as, as a resource and that it can obviously now generate income and that that waste is then being placed in the correct locations where it can actually be recycled properly and it kind of gets a second life. And I think it's very easy for the majority of people that's in a in a position where they just have a bin and they go to the bin and they put something in the bin and that's it. You know, they don't really think about it. For these people to do such an important job and like you've said, the situations or the circumstances that they live in, it's really heartbreaking because they have such a vital role in society. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I just had a quick look there and it says there's about 200,000 people that navigate the streets of Johannesburg and, and that's the income. 
you know, that's just Johannesburg. I mean, South Africa is a pretty relatively tiny country. If you think of somewhere like China or India, where the numbers are just astronomical, you know, and that's really where the change needs to happen. And I think a lot more pressure needs to be put on these big corporate companies like Coca-Cola and Nestle that produce millions and millions and millions of tons of plastic every year. And they just, you know, they're not held responsible for what happens to it. Exactly. They just expect someone else to clean up their mess. And I totally agree. You know, they need to take accountability as well. And people that is doing the hard work should actually be treated a little bit better and just actually get fair wages for all the work that they do because it's so, so important. I think in South Africa, it's difficult because, and in a lot of countries, because it's the type of work that like an educated person wouldn't really do. Mm. So it tends to, I have to say, 80% of the people there are not from South Africa. So they're illegally. Wow. So they're working illegally, but they are helping us in a huge way and saving the economy something like 800 million rand a year in um, recycling. But in the same breath, the country can't just give 200,000 people citizenship because they're picking up rubbish, you know. So it's not as easy as everyone thinks to just, yeah, I don't know what the solution is. It's really hard, you know? <laughs> yeah, I definitely think we need to come up with solutions and get the people that's in power to actually make some of these solutions a possibility and actually a reality. But Frank, other than this whole street surface, which you've really, really emphasized a lot on, and I'm so grateful to you and your team for actually doing that, but you, you've also started another organization, which is called the Sentinel Ocean Alliance. You guys are doing some phenomenal work. Again, got me very emotional. <laughs> the, the video that I saw a few, I think it was a few weeks back on that as well, just really hit home. You guys go in where a lot of people won't even dare and you make difference in these people's lives. And I'm, I'm not going to jump the gun here. I'm actually going to let you tell a little bit the story about what exactly that organization does. Yeah, you know, I grew up in Hart Bay, the town in that video that you watched, and I learned to surf there and I learned everything I know about the ocean there. And I was traveling in Europe and I saw this video of this kid uh, walking down to the same beach and he got shot in the face. It's like, sure, it's a really brutal video. And I just, I don't know, something just reacted inside me and I just felt like I needed to try and do something for these kids so that they would have the same opportunities that I did growing up. I think for me, the biggest thing was that I just started that thing. A lot of people asked me like how to do it and like the difficult part was starting and now it kind of runs itself. Okay. So I think people, everyone, especially if you have some kind of privilege, I guess, everyone could do more, I feel, you know, even if it's just starting something at home, being a part of some kind of organization, um, just doing a part every day, I think can make a huge difference. Definitely. So what do you guys then actually do? You guys teach life-saving or is it surfing? Like what, what, what uh, exactly? Yeah, so we teach uh, underprivileged kids from the community how to surf and we teach them surf therapy. So it's a form of therapy through surfing and we, you know, we relate. We teach them about meditation and dealing with the issues that they have at home. And then we also uh, have a life-saving club where we teach the kids about life-saving and um, also hoping to set up like an ocean school there where we'll be able to educate the kids, not just about ocean and life-saving, but about why it's important to protect the oceans and to look after it. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey. I started it by myself like two years ago and it's grown into a cool 
like a really cool organization. I mean, for people that has not really grown up in South Africa, they don't really understand exactly how it works or especially some of the towns like the, the Shanti towns and things that is around there. It's a lot of the times it's really hard for people to get out of that situation. So, you know, you would typically join a gang or, you know, you would try and get money in any way, whether it is like stealing something to provide for your family if you cannot find a job. And I mean, South Africa has got such a high percentage of people that is unemployed. I think it's 29% or something. I think that's that's the official one, but I think it might be a little bit higher. Unofficial. Yeah. <laughs> so people like organizations like what you guys are doing, it's not just, I feel, helping these guys to learn, you know, how to swim, how to do this, how to like meditate, but really how to, when they're in situations, when they are faced with situations to know that organizations like you guys exist and that there is good and that they don't have to go to these circumstances to actually get stuff done. And that is something that for me was really powerful that, you know, you're really touching these people's lives and hopefully they touch people around their lives as well. So that it kind of has a ripple effect in the community as well. Yeah, the gang promise in South Africa within the color community, especially is it's terrible. And uh, because the parents often don't have the means to look after the kids because of lots of reasons, because of not having like a proper education during apartheid and financial reasons. A lot of these kids are drawn to the gangs because the guys have nice cars and they have a lot of money. And for those kids, that's like cool. So if we can just get one or two of those guys to um, can come and join and get involved in surfing and then lifesaving and yeah, if we can just help one or two, that would be incredible. I think that's the goal is not to like try and solve the whole issue, but just have a small impact on, on where we live anyway. Exactly. And I mean, like you said, that's the beach that you grew up on. So I can imagine it has some, some special connection for you as well. And then to teach these kids about the ocean as well, that is really, really important. And that brings us back to like the entire pollution, because if you have a connection with the environment, you are more likely to protect it. And especially where you guys are in Cape Town, there's some really big sharks out there. <laughs> I sometimes feel a little scared to actually go into the water. But, you know, we're currently looking at about 100 million sharks that's being killed every single year, whether it's for uh, shark fin soup or actually culling because they are too big and people are scared of it. There's some of the these issues that I feel people need to know in order to form a better connection that next time when you are faced with a shark in the ocean, <laughs> to know that it's also kind of their environment. Like when you go into the ocean, that's where sharks live. You kind of need to know that and respect their habitat as well. But how would you guys kind of say that when people fear sharks, how would you kind of help some of these youngsters to like kind of overcome that and also to educate them on the importance of sharks in the ocean? We don't really talk about sharks. Eh? It's such a small percentage is way more dangerous just driving down the road or, yeah, it's just such an insignificant number of people that die of shark attacks that it's not really something we even talk about. <laughs> it's more of an issue of us killing sharks and killing everything in the ocean, really. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
we have to protect all the the animals in the ocean. Like, there's no point in just protecting sharks, but then we catch all the tuna, then the sharks have nothing to eat. Exactly. Then they eat the other fish, and it's just like if you mess with nature in any way, that yeah, we, there's not there's a difficult solution to that, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, definitely. And I feel, you know, each of these animals have a very key part. You know, it's like you said, you know, if we take one element out of this whole food chain, it has a ripple effect on the rest. So, and I mean, so many of these animals are actually dying because of the the plastic pollution. So it's great for me that, you know, when people find a connection with with nature, that they will hopefully feel that, you know, they need to protect and clean it up and also not to create the waste in the first place as well i mean people it's weird how humans like value certain animals like turtle with a straw and i run against straws because it was a turtle but people are happy to kill millions of tuna for sushi i mean i can get sushi anywhere in the world how is that sustainable exactly is a tuna less important than a than a, a turtle or is like and cows like let's kill we have millions of cows people eat beef all day but if someone killed someone's dog, it would be like the biggest deal ever for that person. But is a dog less important than a cow? I mean, more important? Like, I don't know. We just seem to have these weird values on what we think is humane and what we think what animals are allowed to be killed and not. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't even say that any better myself. <laughs> so you've kind of surfed a lot of waves all over the world. When you are looking back at some of the highlights with your career and with some of the most beautiful places that you've served, what would you say is some of your top places or top moments that you, when you look back, it's like, wow, you know, that was just like the highlights? I think I worked on a film called Let's Be Frank with uh, Red Bull Media House, uh, kind of like a story about my life. Like growing up, I never thought I'd really be a pro surfer. And then for someone to like make a movie about my life and it won, it actually ended up winning an Emmy Award. That whole experience for me was like biggest highlight. Like I didn't think, I never set out to having something like that happen, you know? So that was definitely a big highlight. Awesome. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. That's fantastic. And I'll I'll link up the movie as well. So in the show notes, Crazy Birds, you can just click then. It will give you more info on the movie as well. Frank, what would you say has been one of the most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth so far? You mean me personally? Yes, you personally. (laughs) I think for a long time I wasn't conscious of the effects that we were having on the planet. Not that I wasn't conscious, but I think I was just ignorant. Once I kind of opened my eyes and saw just the the, the plastic, not just plastic, but the pollution in the oceans and on the the beaches and um, just everywhere, really, that really had the biggest impact of me saying like I need to try and use like the small voice that I have to try and make a positive impact. And now we are going to move into our final five. So the first one is what is one social media account or publication that you follow? Parlay for the Oceans is a good one because I do a lot of projects with them. And then uh, Kuka the Day is one that's really funny. And what is your hope? for Mama Earth going forward? My hope is that we don't destroy it and that the next generation of humans can enjoy its beauty. Awesome. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? I think people just need to be conscious of the fact that 
we are destroying this planet and that everyone listening to this can have play a huge part in that, you know, if every person here that listens, I don't know how many people listen, but everyone listens and, you know, says no to single-use plastic, takes their own water bottles, uses their own water bottles, uses their own reusable coffee cups, doesn't take plastic bags from the shop, just small things like that. If enough people do it, I feel like the those big companies that we spoke about earlier will have to change their, their policies. Definitely. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? By 2050, there'll be more trash in the ocean than fish. Wow, that's that's a shocking one so always to hear. Then yeah. <laughs> then will it still be an ocean or will it be a rubbish dump? I don't know. Probably, geez. And where can people actually find you and the projects you're working on? Mine is Frank Solomon on Instagram and Facebook and then Sentinel Ocean on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. And I'm linking all of those up in the show notes as well for all our crazy birds so you can just link on there directly. So Frank, thank you so much for being on the podcast and taking the time out of the ocean and coming to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at mamaearthtalk.com. Follow at Design by Mariska on Instagram or email hello at mamaearthtalk.com. And let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to talk about. I love hearing from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every Monday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.